Welcome to Bible study tonight. We're going to talk a little bit more about faith and what we can do with the Word of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you, Lord, for your Word, for the privilege to know you, to love you, and to serve you. Lord, I know that probably the angels in heaven that receive the praise is not near as busy as those that receive the request. But Lord, help us as a body here to be those that will not be slack on giving you praise. Lord, we praise you and thank you and worship you because you're the King of kings and Lord of lords and God of gods. We're so grateful that you are our Lord and our God, and we're so grateful that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we're so grateful that we've realized that those people that try their best to teach us that you don't, don't do healings and miracles and all the wonderful things you do anymore, we're grateful that... You know, they kind of got to us too late. But Lord, we're thankful for the privilege to know this and to know that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the same thing that pleased you 6,000 years ago pleases you today. And that's faith and obedience. So Lord, help us to walk in faith and obedience to your word. And then as we come to you with our request, you always hear and you always answer our requests. Father, we're grateful and thank you for the many miracles you've done and the many healings you've done, the many salvations you've done, and all the many other answers to prayer that you do. We are so grateful. Now, Lord, bless us tonight as we go forth, as we study a little bit more about what the Word of God has to say about faith. We thank you and praise you for the privilege to have this magnificent book that we call the owner's manual. Lord, help us to re- understand it better. Give us revelation and wisdom and understanding of your word tonight as we read it and study it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It, uh, you have a statement, sure? Oh, praise report. Absolutely. Come up here, girl. Anybody's got a praise report? We want to give God the glory and praise for what he does. Well, you know, we just started in this little company with Wally and Pat and all this stuff. And they had a contest this week. And our team, a contest. And there are five winners. And our team won all five to the glory of God. Our code is Jesus won. (laughs) Amen. Yeah, y'all won all five of them. All five. Well, that's not fair. And these guys back here came to see you from Florida. I know. That's what they told me. I, when they first told me that, I told them I didn't, really, I didn't want to say I didn't believe that. <laughs> I didn't want to say I didn't believe that. But they finally told me they'd come to another convention. So see, really. <laughs> but anyway, they did come to see us while they were here. I'm so grateful that they would come from Florida, even to a convention, and come over here to a little warehouse to hear us teach the Word of God. But we sure do get to see God do some wonderful things this little warehouse, don't we? I mean, it's been an awesome, awesome privilege. Anybody else got a testimony? Now, that John, you got one? Praise the Lord. Let's give God the glory. You know, He's the King. This is His church. What all has He done for you, John? Uh, in July, I had a neighbor who was moving to Florida, and so I was helping uh, drive the, uh, I guess it's sort of the... Uh, transport truck down there with the household goods. And um, I was just praying for a safe trip and no problems as far as no accidents. And I uh, was leaving 3 in the afternoon. uh, So about 2.30 in the afternoon, I saw this 
slow-moving vehicle go down the road, and uh, I looked at it, and so I was just, uh, from my prayer, I was just saying, okay, well, uh, that's probably a sign just that as long as I'm slow and careful, uh, I'll be okay, and it ended up that the uh, slow-moving vehicle was a construction uh, company that apparently is around this area that had my last name, so I just figured it was, yeah, as long as I'm driving slow and careful, I'll be fine. Then I uh, started out with a uh, trip, and I got behind another moving vehicle, another uh, moving uh, company, uh, I guess Atlas Transport, something like that, and I was watching what they were doing on the road as far as staying away from uh, vehicles off the side of the road and uh, learned you know, how to drive safely and got all the way down to uh, Tampa, Florida without any problems and uh, didn't have anything but some construction delays, so no accidents or any problem. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, I, I had a great little uh, praise report. I guess I hadn't even thought about this, but we have so many that comes in on the Internet on things that we send out. But this one lady, she said, I requested some tapes from you and you sent them to me. And I listened to the tape on the curses. She said, when I listened to that tape on the curses, she said, I'd been sick for a long time and I could not get healed. Doctors or nothing could heal her. But she said, I realized I found my sin on that tape. I knew I was doing what you said God said I wasn't supposed to be doing. So she said, when I got through listening to the tape, I got down on my knees, just me and God. And I told him how sorry I was that I'd been doing what I'd been doing. And I would repent and I would never do that again. And she said, I was instantly healed. Isn't that awesome? Don't we serve an awesome God? I mean, that's the beautiful part about what we do. He goes with you. I mean, I may send these tapes and CDs out, but he's out there with you. And there's not another job in the world you can do that's got a boss like that, is there, Michael? Or he can be with each one of us all the time. And so when we get our sins repented of, and of course, the Lord knew that little person's heart. He knew where she was really coming from. And when she repented, she didn't even have to ask him to heal her. She said, I was instantly healed as soon as I repented of my sin and told him I was sorry that I would never do it again. Isn't God awesome? He is more than awesome. He's worthy of our worship and praise. And that's what I love about serving the King. Oh, see, when I send out those CDs, DVDs, or cassettes, or videos, or whatever they are, I'm sending out God with them, the Holy Spirit. And so, whenever I teach His Word, and people do what He says, He's right there with them. And when they repent, or whatever, when they pray in faith, He honors their prayers of faith or their request. And it's so awesome to get all these praise reports back that we get back from everywhere of people. And we get them back. I mean, Cheryl is always calling me in there. Honey, come in here. you got to see this one. Look at what the Lord did for this man or this woman. And, and there's some awesome ones. I think about the time in my life when I never got a prayer answered. Wow. How things have changed. <laughs> How things have changed. But when you get hold of the Word, it'll change your life forever, won't it? It's, it did yours, didn't it? Yes, it does. Any other praise reports or anything? I don't want to cut somebody short. Amen. Oh, okay. Praise the Lord. 
come up here and tell us. Goodness gracious, a lot. Wow, praise the King. I love praise reports or testimonies. Yes, this is just shows how awesome God is. Uh, last night I was watching a uh, one of the Christian stations, and they had some physicists on, on there, and they were literally describing how really and truly this world has, this earth, we in this earth, are arranged in the galaxy, how it's, get, you know, the galaxy is set up, how the stars are set up, said God literally had to do that in such a great, tremendous way for us to be even existing, for the oxygen, for the uh, nitrogen, and of course, I'm chemistry-minded, so I was just going, wow, I figured, you know, he had to do some tremendous things to where we can just even stay in the orbit of where we are. So I just said I wanted to tell everybody Amen. to realize he has done a tremendous, awesome work, even in the, the uh, galaxies. Yeah. Beyond our wildest dreams. Yes. Beyond our wildest dreams. And I just, I just happened, something crossed my mind, and I've been trying to think to tell everybody this every service. And I need to do this, and right now I'm gonna, I gotta make mention of this. For everybody that lives in the state of Texas, the next month, the 8th, you know we've got a voting date, right? And there's no major offices being voted on. So usually anywhere from 2 to 5% max of the voting people turn out in a voting year when there's no major offices. But this year there's one major event that's gonna be on the ballot. And, uh, it, I mean, when you think about this one major event, I don't see how anybody could be so dumb. I really don't see how we as human beings could be so dumb. But they're going to vote on what determines a marriage. Well, I'm telling you, when I was a five-year-old boy, I knew what determined a marriage. One man and one woman. Not two men. Not two women. But one man and one woman. But we're going to vote on that on the 8th. We're going to determine in the state of Texas, is a marriage constituted between one man and one woman or somebody else? Well, let me tell you, if there was ever a time when the Christian world better turn out and go vote, you better get down there and make your vote count. You know, And if you've got any friends that are Christians or any friends that are not Christians that think that's... I know a lot of people that are not Christians still believe one man, one woman makes a marriage. Well, they better go vote on that because that's going to be on the ballot. And I'm going to tell you, the homosexuals, the perverted people that the devil has deceived are going to try to take advantage of this time since there's going to be no major offices voted on to sneak this through so that they can get this where that homosexuals can be married. Now then, a while ago on CNN, I turned it on a few minutes while we were at the house at the condo. Uh, we have still have cable there. And I was listening to a suit that's going on right now by some guy with the Air Force. I don't know. You may have heard that. I hadn't heard anything about it. But this guy was talking about how stupid we are because we think it's okay to evangelize and that there's only one way to heaven and that's through Jesus Christ. And we should not be allowed on the face of the earth. I thought to myself, that guy is totally demonized. Totally demonized. 
Anytime a human being can stand up there and say that there is many other religions, there are many things, people ought to be allowed to believe what they want to believe. And if you're a Christian and you're going to come in and tell me that there's only one way to heaven, how narrow-minded you are. Well, let me tell you, last time I checked, the king says the path is very narrow. It gets to heaven. And last time I checked, the king of the universe, the one that made this magnificent cosmos that you're talking about there, he said, I am the life, and I am the truth, and I am the way. And no man shall come to the Father except through me. So I'm going to tell you, if you're not willing to stand your ground in the years ahead, I'm going to tell you, you might as well go bury your head in the sand right now and suffocate. Because let me tell you, in the years to come, the devil is going to come forth with such fervor. He's going to do everything he can to intimidate you, to make you, if you say you're a Christian, to make you feel like you're nothing. But you're going to have to realize who you are as a son or a daughter of the king. This is why that so many Christians today can't get their prayers answered. Because whenever you come up and start to pray a prayer of faith, that old devil will always be there to lay his hand on your shoulder and say, But you old wicked man, you. You old wicked woman, you. You really don't think God would do something good for somebody that's done all the bad things you've done. And he'll name them for you, Sharon. You know it? Yes, I do. Oh, yeah. He'll call you and remembers. That's why, that's why my honey bunny, Cheryl, she says my most favorite scripture is the one that guarantees me God put my sins as far as the east is from the west. Let me tell you, you've got to remember that scripture. You've got to remember that when you got washed in the blood and you got saved and then every sin you've committed after the day you got saved, when you confessed it, it's gone. And I don't care what the devil does to you. I don't care what he tries to convince you of. You've got to remember that you're no longer under that sin or under that curse. And you'll have to take away from him what's rightfully yours with the Word of God. I mean, it's, it's so difficult for people today to believe. I mean, Christians... It's so difficult to believe a magnificent promise like this. Let me just read a few promises when we're talking about what faith does and how it works. Let me read a promise to you from, from Matthew. I mean, we're going to go several places tonight when we talk about faith. But I want, I want to read a scripture in Matthew chapter 8. And this scripture is so well known by some people. And some people don't know this at all. But in Matthew eight seventeen, I, I find it very difficult to believe that for 40 plus years of my life, I was in the church and I had read the Bible many times, but this scripture absolutely meant nothing to me. But one day, for some strange reason, I got a hold of this verse. And then either the Word of God means what it says, or it doesn't mean what it says. But if the Word of God is an owner's manual from the King of the universe, the Creator, to us, the created beings, then this owner's manual means exactly what it says. And it will cause exactly what it says to come to pass when you act on it in faith. 
So listen to what Matthew 8.17 says. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself, Jesus, took our infirmities and bare our sickness. Now then, you have to meditate on that a minute. You just can't read this like an opera, like a, a novel, and then press on. When you read that scripture, think about this. If Jesus Himself took our infirmities and He bore our sickness, do you think the King wants His people to be sick? If He bore your sickness, then why in the world is any Christian sick? Why are we sick? Why do we have so much sickness and disease in the church? Well, number one, a lot of people do not believe that verse is talking to them. A lot of people do not believe that verse is talking to you. They read that and it makes absolutely no sense to them at all. Isn't that amazing? Something so powerful. Now, if he took our infirmities and bare our sickness then technically speaking, the price for your healing is just like the price for your salvation was paid on the cross 2,000 years ago. If He paid that price for your salvation, then why in the world are so many people on the face of the earth today lost? What percentage? Let me ask you all some questions tonight at Bible study. I'd like to just get an idea from you what percentage you think of the people that you're associated with or the world that you live in or the customers that you deal with or the friends that you live by or with or the family that you live around, what percentage of the people that you know and you deal with on a day-by-day basis, what percentage of those people do you really believe know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Somebody give me a per, an example. What do you think, Michael? Maybe 2%. Maybe 2%? Wow. Anybody else liked it? You say that two, two or three or four or five percent? Any, uh-huh. Somebody said one. So if Jesus paid the price for our salvation on the cross, why is it that so few people are saved? I mean, does it cost them a lot to buy it? Do you have to pay for it? It's free. Salvation is free. He gives it away, doesn't He? He paid the price for your sins on the cross so that you can live unto righteousness. So you can become a son or a daughter of God. Why? What do you think the, what is the answer to this fact? That if only one or two or three or four or five percent or maybe ten percent or whatever it really is, the people that you deal with, if that few of them are really Christians, why is it that they're Christians? Let me ask you this question. Are you praying for them? Are you going to the throne of grace and taking authority over the devils that's blinding their minds? Are you changing the people's lives around you where you work and with your families? 
Are you living an exemplified life of Christ before people? Are you walking in a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that people know that they know that they know when you speak, you're speaking in the name of Jesus? You know, that's, that's a problem with most of the church. Did you know that I was talking to a, a precious young man and a young woman just last week? I met them for the first time. And, of course, in a matter of a few minutes, I was talking to them about Jesus. Well, yeah, he's a Methodist. He goes to church, and she goes to a Pentecostal church. And I said, well, have you all seen any miracles, any healings? And they kind of look at you like, what? Now, this is in church. No healings and no miracles in church. So if there's no healings and no miracles, no signs and wonders in church, then there's no wonder it's not following them outside, is it? I mean, this God that we serve, you said He made the cosmos, right? How many of us believe that God made the heavens and the earth? How many of us believe that with God nothing's impossible? Well, then why don't we see Him do more miracles than we do? We don't pray in faith very much, do we? You know? When we really pray in faith and believe God, I mean, gee, Billy, you can, get, you can see Him do some wonderful things when you pray in faith, can't you, girl? You've seen some of those, haven't you? Yes, you have. Lots of people in here have. But what is it? Why is it? I mean, I, I, I talk about Billy, but just to like Don, her husband, here a while back on a Sunday, uh, I was telling a story, and Billy, she said, when I talked about how God had healed a man, she's just right in the middle of the service. She said, well, we need to pray for Don. She got a hold of Cheryl back there, and Cheryl come running up right in the middle of the service and said, we need to pray for Don right now. He fell down and broke a couple of ribs, and he was at home. So Sunday, we prayed for him on Sunday, and on Tuesday, he was in Bible study. And on the next Sunday, he was able to raise his hands over his head with virtually no pain. Isn't it amazing what God will do when you pray? No, it's not amazing at all. But that's what we do. That's what we say. And you tell somebody about a miracle. I mean, uh, tell somebody about a miracle, a little one. Today, I was in an office, and there was a man and a woman in there, and I was talking to them about Jesus. Well, yeah, they're, they believe in Jesus. They go to church. I said, well, praise God. And I said, this is wonderful. I said, you know, have you all seen, have you seen God do anything wonderful? And they both stop and look at me and say, like what? <laughs> I said, well, have you ever seen God do any miracles or any healings? No. I said, gee, what a shame. I said, let me tell you about a wonderful thing the Lord did for me a little while back. I said, in fact, this May will be four years ago. I was down at the airport, at DFW airport, and I heard a woman screaming. And I go running in there. And there is a little woman, Spanish woman, probably about 50. I don't know. I can't tell for sure. Not always. But I would guess she's around 50. And this little woman had slipped and fell on, an, on a big stove. And her, door, uh, her arm right there had fell on a big oven door. And she blistered. It was 300 degrees. And it just burned all the skin off of her arm. 
She was screaming to the top of her lungs. How many of you women know if you fell on your oven door, you've been cooking a cake in at 350 degrees, and you slipped and fell down your arm, fell on that steel door, you'd be screaming. Well, she was too. That's what happened. So I went running down there, and I grabbed her by the other arm, and let me take you to the scriptures that I quoted. Let's go to Isaiah 53. I quoted these verses to her, and I want you to see what this says in Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5. So instead of quoting them, I'm going to read them to you, or I want you to see them in your own Bible. In Isaiah 53, verse 4 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Now, in the original Hebrew, the word griefs and sorrows means pain and sickness. So, surely he has borne our griefs or our pains. If he had borne our grief or our pain, then why in the world do we carry it around? And if he has carried our sorrows or our sickness, when you take that word in the Hebrew, that word sorrow is translated many other places in the Old Testament, sickness. So, if he's bore our pain and carried our sickness, I don't think he plans for you and me to have it. So, I quoted that verse, Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Now, if he bore my pain and carried my sickness, and with his stripes I am healed, that's a pretty good start, isn't it? So I'm quoting this to the king. And then I go to this magnificent promise. Now, you've got to remember now, all this is happening instantaneously. I don't have my Bible with me, so I don't have time to go get the owner's man to look all this stuff up. I got to already have it in my heart. So I quote Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. And then I pull up this scripture in Mark 16. And I want to show you I quoted it. Mark 16, 18. Now this is where you need the word hidden in your heart. Because you don't have time to go get this and dig it out. But if you've already got it there, then you can call it forth. Mark chapter 16, verse 18 I said, I just quoted the last part of the verse where he says, They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now, did Jesus make that promise to us? But see, you've got to act on these promises or they don't work for you. Now, you can have this mighty power available to you. That's just like you could have a nuclear bomb carrying it around in your hand. But until you detonate it, nothing's going to happen. But if you detonate it, something's going to happen, isn't it? Especially if it's a nuclear bomb. It don't have to be a very big one to do devastating things. In fact, when I was in the military years and years ago, when I came back from Vietnam to Tokyo, they sent me from there to Osan, Korea for a while. And I was on the alert diamond for six weeks. And when they sent me down there to the alert diamond, every night we would have an alert. And in the middle of the night, they'd get you up. You have to be out there on an airplane, ready to get... I mean, from the time that horn went off, you needed to be at that airplane in less than two minutes, ready to go to work. And so you could be laying there in a dead sleep. I mean, if you was in the shower, 
soaking or whatever, you didn't matter what happened. When that horn went off, you had to be out there on that airplane in two minutes or else. And the first time I went out there and we started firing all these things up, and I saw all these funny-looking bombs on these airplanes. I had never seen these kind of bombs. I asked one of the guys, I said, what are those funny-looking bombs? Oh, he said, that's a four-megaton nuclear bomb on that one. I said, well, what's this one down here? Oh, that's a ten-megaton nuclear weapon on this one. I thought, we got 18 airplanes here in this diamond. I said, does every one of these airplanes have these nuclear weapons on them? He said, oh, yeah. I went back to the barracks that night, and I was laying there worrying. I thought, oh, Lord, what am I going to do if one of these things goes off? (laughs) Then I got to thinking, why worry? I'm at ground zero. One of these suckers goes off, there ain't going to be nothing left for a hundred miles. If one of these goes off and the rest of them go off for a hundred miles in every direction, there ain't going to be nothing but a big crater, and I'm going to be home with Jesus. So, why I worry? I just turned over and went to sleep. You can't let the little things of the world bother you, can you? But it doesn't feel good to sleep in the midst of nuclear bombs all around you. You know? But you got to know who you are. But... I quoted this verse to this lady. I'm holding her arm. And I say, Mark 16, verse 18, Jesus said, And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Well, now, how long did He say it would take? He didn't say, did He? So we don't know what He's going to do there. So then I moved back to Mark chapter 11, and I quoted this magnificent promise. And I didn't quote all of the verse. Mark chapter 11. I moved back to Mark eleven twenty three, and I quoted this part of Mark eleven twenty three. I just quoted part of the verse. In Mark eleven twenty three, Jesus said, "If you shall believe that those things which you say shall come to pass, you shall have whatever you say." Now, that's a pretty awesome statement from the king of the universe, isn't it? What did he say my limitations were right there? Whatever I had had faith to speak, in faith would come to pass. The king says, But shall believe that those things which you say shall come to pass, you shall have whatsoever you say. Now then, that's one of the magnificent keys of the kingdom that most Christians cannot grasp. Most people, when you start to even think about saying something like that, the little devil will tap you on the shoulder when the thought comes to your mind and say, but that was only for the apostles. That wasn't for you. Besides that, that's only for the good Christians, and you know you're not anywhere close to a good Christian. So you don't really think a righteous and holy God is going to do anything for an old wicked man or woman like you. And he gets through to most of us, you know it. It used to get through to me real regular until I learned that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm a brand new creature. I mean, the Word of God says, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And that all things that belong to Jesus belong to me. I'm a son of God. I have the privilege to already be seated in the throne of grace in the third heaven. Just like he said in Ephesians 2.6. I have the privilege to come, just like Hebrews 4.16 says, 
to come right into the throne of grace anytime I want to and jump right up in Daddy's lap and say, Dad, I got this problem. I got this woman down here on earth that's got this burned arm and I need you to fix her for me right now in the name of Jesus. What a privilege. Is that a privilege? So I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe that promise. Of course, I'm talking within myself, but out loud I say to her, after I quote those verses, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, and Mark 16, verse 18, and then when I come back to Mark 11, 23, I said, now the, the Word of God says I can have whatever I say with my mouth, so I guarantee you, woman, that the King of the universe, and His name is Jesus, is going to supernaturally heal you. Now, simple, what kind of faith does it take to make a stupid statement like that? It takes faith, doesn't it? But we got it, hadn't we? Yes, we have. And so I just turned her loose and walked off. Almost instantly, within a matter of minutes, the pain in that burn on her arm was gone. She would not even go to the doctor. Her name was Adelina. She's a little Spanish woman. She worked out at DFW Airport for the Sky Chef Corporation four years ago. I don't know what she's doing now, but that's where she was four years ago. And there was many other people that saw this. They saw her fall, saw her get burned, and they were there when I prayed for her. They were trying to doctor her and everything. But not one single person there was using the Word of God. Everybody was using worldly things to doctor her. Cold water, salve, a first aid kit, screaming, get called 911, all kinds of stuff. And I just casually walked up and quoted the Word of God. And then guaranteed her she'd get a supernatural healing from the king, and his name was Jesus. I walked off and just left her. And within such a short few minutes, she had no pain on her arm. So she told him, don't call the doctor, I'm not going, it don't hurt. So she would not go to the doctor. Now, big blisters come up all over her arm. It looked awful, but she would not go to the doctor. She went ahead and she was a cafeteria cook, so she went upstairs and she served the evening meal and everybody that came in saw that arm and everybody wanted to know. In fact, I went up there and had a meal, had dinner with some guys myself that night. And when we walked in, I remember Randy. He was one of the guys I knew. He was right in front of me. And he looked up and he saw Adelina's arm. He said, Adelina, what in the world did you do to your arm? Well, she said, I burned it down there in the oven this afternoon. He said, well, good grief, woman. Why don't you go to the doctor? She said, well, it don't hurt at all. He said, you mean that don't hurt? Well, she said, it did when I first done it. But she said, in a few minutes, it stopped hurting. So it don't hurt. So I'm not going. And so that night when she gets home, her husband sees it. He wants to take her to the emergency right then. She said, no, it doesn't hurt. She said, if it's bothering me in the morning, I might go to the doctor. But the next morning when Adelina woke up, her arm was beautiful without a burn or a blister or a mark on her arm. Now, what kind of... The Jesus we serve, does He still do miracles? Oh, I know. It was the cool air that night that healed her arm. Well, that's got to be some excuse, right, Sharon? I mean, it couldn't have been a miracle from God. I mean, uh, here, here is a super, here's a, uh, a nurse or a specialist in the hospitals. Those kind of things just automatically heal up like that, don't they, Sybil? Oh, no, they don't do that. Huh? Not hardly. 
Not hardly. How long would it take Sybil and Arm burned like that, that bad, normal, under normal doctoring conditions, moving and bending and breaking and bleeding? How long do you think it would take an arm like that to heal? And it could take a long time for it to heal, couldn't it? But for it to absolutely not have a scar or a mark or a burn or nothing by the next morning, that's not normal, is it? That is supernatural. That's definitely supernatural. Well, if you quote God's Word, who is it that watches over His Word to perform it? God does. See, so when you go in, you don't go in and grab some woman on arm and say, Oh, God, please, Lord, if it be your will, will you heal her? He don't do nothing to those kind of prayers, does he? He said, There ain't no faith in that. He said, Oh, you make me sick. If God could be made sick. <laughs> he does say he vomits us out of his mouth, doesn't he? Woo! I'll spit you out of my mouth. So I can only think about what we must do to the king today with no more faith than we... I mean, I didn't have any faith either for the first 40 or 45 years of my life. But when I began to get a hold of the book and these promises and what it takes to please God, what well, if I want to see him do something, I need to please him, right? What do you think it takes to please God? Faith and obedience. You walk in love, you do what he says, you love your neighbors yourself. Do you think that pleases the king? That's a command, isn't it? If you don't keep that command of love your neighbor as yourself, you're definitely not pleasing him, are you? So what do you think he's going to do for you? Not very much. Well, I come to church and I'm a really good guy at church. But when I go home, my wife and my children just drive me nuts. And so I can do what I want to at home. I can talk to them the way I want to. I can do all kinds of things. And God won't know that, will he, Deb? <laughs> he won't know that. Did you know when I was in Egypt, the concept of who God is is just blew me away. The Muslims over there when I was in Egypt uh, 30 years ago building a big giant building, these people got down several times a day on their mats and they put their mats down and they faced Mecca and they, pray, they faced the, you know, the city of Mecca and prayed. And then they had a time they're supposed to fast. And one day, it was the fast day, and one of these guys were eating. And I said, I thought today was your fast day. Oh, yeah. He said, yeah, it is our fast day, but today it's cloudy. I said, well, what's that got to do with it? He said, God can't see us when it's cloudy. <laughs> I thought, wow. Wow, what a God. He ain't much of a God, is he? If he can't see through that cloud, he ain't much of a God. But you see how the devil has deceived people. But he's done just as good a job on us. You know, he's done just as good a job on us. You know, the book of Revelation clearly says the devil, the deceiver, has deceived the whole world. Now then, these three promises that I quoted right here, between these three sets of promises, by faith I've spoken these promises. In fact... The other night, whenever I use, only use Mark eleven twenty three, only one verse. When I prayed the prayer of faith for Dr. Gary Young in Salt Lake City, Utah, a doctor 
with a broken back on Sunday night at 10 o'clock. I literally just quoted the last half of Mark 11:23. That whatever I say with my mouth, if I believe with my heart, I shall have it. If I said, in the name of Jesus, I guarantee you'll get a supernatural healing from the King and His name Jesus. I guarantee your back's healed in Jesus' name. And God instantly healed that man. Isn't that awesome? Cheryl and I flew out there the next day. And the guy picked us up at the airport himself. And he took us all over. We taught people and spoke the Word of God. And I had a real privilege of teaching several Mormons what the Word of God says. He was a Mormon. I had great privilege of teaching them about my Jesus. The one that does miracles. The healer. Jesus is no respecter of persons. He'll heal anybody you can pray for in faith. Isn't He wonderful? Faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we need to learn what this stuff is. We need to learn. Now then, I want you to go to Hebrews 11. We're going to look at a little bit of Scripture here. Hebrews 11. Get over here to it. Hebrews. Look at verse 6. As he's talking about all these wonderful things, verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now when you speak the Word of God in faith, you you have this tremendous hope within you that this Word of God is going to do and perform exactly what it says. Now then, that's what faith is. Now then, faith is the substance of things hoped for. You're hoping with all of your being that God's Word is going to work like it says and you have the total faith within you to believe that it's going to bring forth a manifestation when you speak it in the name of Jesus. I think about this testimony I got back the other day. This is awesome. A lady wrote me a testimony. She said, I heard you talk about praying for a man's car that was broken and how God fixed it or healed it. She said, you know, I looked at all those scriptures you say, and you say, God, that you made me those same promises. So she said, I repented of every sin known. And then I said, on my car, the windshield wipers had not worked on my car in a long time. So she said, I went out and got my car, sat down. And I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, you said right here in a certain verse, I could ask the Father in the name of Jesus for anything and you would do it for me. Lord, I want to ask you to fix my windshield wiper and I want to thank you for doing it. She said, Lord, thank you. It's done. She said, I didn't turn them on. It wasn't raining. So for a week, I just thanked him every day. Every time I get in my car, I said, Lord, thank you. My windshield wipers work perfect. And she said, finally, after about a week, I thought, well, I guess I better turn them on and check them. She said, I turned them on and they didn't work a lick. I said, Lord, thank you that my windshield wipers work perfect. Because it says so in the Word. Now, wait a minute. This woman's either got a loose screw or she's got real faith. 
Now, which one is it? If you'd have been in the car with her and she said, Oh, I prayed and the Lord fixed my windshield wiper. Let me show you. And she turns it on. She says, See how beautiful they work? He said, Well, when you're crazy. She said, No. The Word says my windshield wipers work. The Word says God's promises are yes and amen every time. So the Word can't fail. The only thing can make it fail is me. But they said they don't work. Oh, she said, You may not see them working yet. But it's the evidence of things not seen. They work. I see in the Spirit. Those windshield wipers are working. She said, for two more weeks, every time I got in that car, said, I just left them on. Said, they never worked a lick. She said, for two weeks, every time I got in the car and cranked up everything, as soon as I crank it, I say, Lord, I want to thank you that my windshield wipers work perfect in the name of Jesus. Now, if you'd have been with her every day when she'd have gotten that car, what would you thought was wrong with this woman? Now, is this, <laughs> we can laugh at this, can't we, brother? But this woman's believing God, isn't she? This woman's believing. This is the evidence of things not seen. She's hoping and standing on God's promises, but she's not seeing it. But she's still praising Him that her windshield wipers are working. And she said, two weeks, Brother Thurman. I kept thinking what you had told me in these tapes. God's promises are yes and amen and they can't fail unless I make them fail. So I said, Lord, I'm not doubting your word. Get in that car, crank it up, say, Lord, thank you Then windshield wipers are working beautiful in the name of Jesus. She said, I'd drive, go back to work, do all kinds of things. Just every once in a while, I'd say, Lord, thank you Then windshield wipers are working so good. You know, if you'd have been with her, you thought, woo, this woman's... But this woman knew what she was doing, didn't she, Debbie? Two weeks she did that. And then she said, for two weeks I'm praising Him and thanking Him. My wipers are working perfect. She said, about that second week or whatever it was into the last part of the second week, she said, I got in. I said, Lord, I want to thank You and praise You. My windshield wipers work perfect. She said, I turned that key on. And she said, they were working perfect. (laughs) And she said, I let them run for a while. Thanking Him and praising Him. And then I turned them off. And she said, I drove down the road a little while. And I said, oh Lord, thank You. My wipers work perfect. And reached on turn and said, they just work perfect. And she said, they've been working perfect ever since. Hadn't missed a lick. Did you read that praise report? You read that one too. Praise God. Isn't it awesome the way people... That's the beautiful thing about Rosemary. She reads all the emails too. And I get to read them too. And when I read them... Man, it's awesome to see these things that people stand by faith in God's Word on and how He honors these things. Now then, the average Christian today, here's the way we live. Now God, please, if it be Your will, will You fix my windshield wipers? But most people say, oh, I know You're not going to do it anyway. Let me just take it down to the shop and get it fixed. Is that the average Christian? Sure. Oh yeah, most of us won't even ask about that when we wrote that. That's, that's a, yeah, that's... <laughs> Most of us don't even think about having enough faith to ask you to fix a windshield wiper. <laughs> we don't even think like that. So, <clears throat> most of us will say, Oh God, when if you heard somebody talk about this, say, Oh Lord, please, if it be your will. Or maybe you do have a little faith and you say, Fix my windshield wiper. And then you say, I'm going to turn them on, Lord, and see if they work. <laughs> turn them on. Oh, well, just what I thought. They didn't work anyway. Is that us? Sure. That's the way we deal. But that wasn't the way this woman dealt with it. Just a minute, Debbie. Let me get a mic so they can hear it on the tape. 
I mean, this woman was a woman of faith, and she got her answer, praise God. Well, I told you about four or five months ago that for an entire solid month, my hot water heater would not work because I'm having gas going to it. Okay. Every morning I had to get up and light it, and then I told you I prayed for it, and that same thing, I'd go and go, okay, I'm going to see if I have any hot water. Well, as long as I said that, it didn't work. So I just started saying, thank you, Lord, for my hot water. And to this day, six months later, I get in the shower before I turn it on and say, thank you, Lord, for this hot water. And did you know for the last six or seven, eight months, I don't have any problems with that gas any longer. Ooh, it's praise still, the Lord. He's still keeping that gas going. I hey, still have hot man. water. So you've learned how to walk in there too, haven't you, Deborah? Praise the Lord. Isn't it amazing that God says in His Word, here in Hebrews 11.6, or Hebrews 11.1, 1, where we're talking about what faith is, when you go down to Hebrews 11.6, but without faith it is impossible to please me. Now you notice what Deborah said. She went over and said, I wonder if the hot water, I wonder if I got hot water. And when she was there, you were in doubt. And as long as you were in doubt, there wasn't faith, so it didn't work, did it? You know, but when you notice what she said. When she got to where she just run in and turned it on and said, Lord, thank you for this hot water. Now, when you first turn it on, it's cold, isn't it? When you turn it on, it's cold water. But you say, Lord, thank you for my hot water. Thank you for my hot water. And it come out hot. And now you don't ask Him. You just thank Him for your hot water. And it works. It's amazing what you can do by faith. But the Word of God says, but without faith it is impossible to please God. So if you don't have faith and you don't please Him, guess what He's going to do for you if you don't please the King? Nothing. I don't know. I mean, I'm not anywhere close to God. But if you want something from me, it's a whole lot better if you do something that pleases me than it is to, you know, really do something that, you know, that kind of rubs me wrong. If you know I don't like something, and you do that to me every time you see me, then one day you ask me to do something for you, I'm really going to have to put my love to the test. <laughs> I mean, I'm a human being. Y'all know what I mean, right? But now if everything you do for me pleases me, and you ask me to do something for you, man, I'm going to jump upside down, double backflip. I'll do anything I can to help you right now. Because that's just a human way, right? It's hard to do things for your enemies. Oh, you noticed that too, huh, Cheryl? Oh, you walk in. <laughs> Amen. I mean, that girl's loaded out of walking love because she wants to walk in divine health, don't you, girl? <laughs> she had her share of many years of pain and suffering. And when she got a hold of what God's Word says and repented and came here, we prayed for her nearly two years ago. It'll be two years in January. I remember it was the first healing school in January, uh, which will be two years this next January that this little lady was instantly healed of a problem she had had with excruciating pain for 30 years of her life. Wow. When you see God work like that, then you realize, well, I told her, because she didn't have no faith, she didn't do it God's way, she hadn't repented of her sins, and she didn't come and ask the king on behalf of his promises. So when she repented of all that, and we did all that, he instantly healed her. And, of course, after that, she got a hold of it. She saw how it worked. She continued to learn. And since then... All the other things that she had wrong with her, which were many, she was a basket case today, there's nothing wrong with her anymore. Wow! Now, see, now that's the abundant life that the Lord provided for you, right, Sharon? 
And you love it, don't you, girl? You love it. And I love it, too. We all love to walk in divine health. But when you take a person that's been down in their back, you know, has had a brain tumor, you know, that's got an arm goes out all the time, and a hip goes out, and you're a basket case, and you're in the doctor's office more than you're not in the doctor's office, and you've been that way for 23 years of the last 30 years, and you had pain for 30 years, you want some relief. Now, you've been prayed for. All kinds of things have happened. You've been in church, but nothing ever happened. But when she came here to a healing school, and I told her what she needed to do from God's Word, and she did it and repented, and then we done what God says, and He instantly healed her. And then, of course, over a time, as her faith grew, all these other things that she had went away too. And now then, she's walking in divine health. And that's a good place to walk. And that's where you want to walk the rest of your life, right? Sure, everybody does in divine health. Now then, how do you get to where you can do that? You've got to believe the Word. You've got to please the King. You've got to have faith. He says there, but without faith it is impossible to please me. Susan, you got a question? Okay, hold on just a second. Now, if it's impossible to please the king without faith, then we need to learn what this faith stuff is. Okay. I have a question. In, Ma- in Matthew 7, 7, it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. So... When do you know when to stop asking and then just to start to thank rather than keep asking? How do you know when to stop asking, 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 and then start to thank, thank, thank? Well, let me tell you, you don't really have to ask God but one time. If you're in faith with your sins repented of, it only takes one time. Here's the thing that people miss. As a rule, people miss the part... Under the Old Covenant, this is the thing that is so obvious under the Old Covenant. Everywhere the Lord says under the Old Covenant to promise people, to bless people with blessings or with health or everything, every time He said, if you will be obedient and keep my commandments and walk in my statutes and do everything I tell you to do, and He said that over and over and over. Then he says, then you come and ask me, and I'll do it for you. I mean, just like the children of Israel, when they were out there in the wilderness, whenever they would get bit by the serpents. because And why did they get bit by serpents? Because of their disobedience. The serpents would come and bite them, the poisonous snakes, and the people started dying. He told Moses to take and take a staff with a snake on it, and to anybody that would look to that serpent on that pole, in faith, they would be healed. I wonder how many people back in those days got bit with that snake and would absolutely never look at that pole. And I wonder how many of them died. The Scripture doesn't tell us. It does not tell us. But I can assure you that many of them that got bit did not look at that pole in faith because they didn't believe it would heal them. But those that did look in faith did get healed. So, when you walk in obedience to God's Word... You don't have to ask Him but one time. When you ask Him one time, then after that, you should praise Him and thank Him for your answer. Now, if that answer does not come fairly in a fairly short, reasonable period of time, if it does not come up, does not come to pass, then you need to start asking God 
What did I do wrong? Where did I sin? What kind of sin am I living in? How did I mess up? Um, to answer her question, um, one night I was sound asleep and I heard this voice, Matthew 6, 8. And I got up and read it. And it tells you, you know, how I, at that time I'd pray over and over and over and ask him, never thanking God. And it tells you there not to. Okay. Well, let's go over there. And what Juanita just said in Matthew 6, 8. Let's go back to Matthew 6, 8. And let's read that scripture. She said she got this. She heard the Lord tell her this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 8. And let's go see what that says. Matthew chapter 6, verse 8 says, But be not ye therefore like unto those them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask Him. But when you, but when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. So how many times should we ask God for something? One. Which, another question, Deborah? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait, so it won't be on, uh, the question or the statement won't be on the tape. They can't hear you. The people might hear you, but they can't off the tape. I was just going to say, then what does it mean when it says pray unceasingly? Because when we were praying for Brietta, I know that we were continually praying the same prayer and, and keeping her in our thoughts and everything. Yeah. So I've always believed that, you know, you only have to ask once. But what does it refer to then when he says to continue praying like that? Is it just about different things? Yeah, I think so. Sure, that's what I do. I think that when different things happen, when we pray for something and we get an answer, just like we did with Brietta the other day when that little lady was in such terrible shape, and we all prayed here at church that day. I mean, that day we got an awesome answer to our prayer. I mean, that little girl has just, whew, I mean, it's just amazing what God has done. And But the enemy continues to attack us. you know. And therefore, we need to continually be in prayer about different things. About praising the Lord, thanking Him, worshiping Him, and telling Him how we praise Him and worship Him. But about a given subject, just ask one time. Yes, ma'am. Some people don't know how to pray unless if they're asking for something. So to me, being in prayer can simply mean I'm walking the dogs in the park and I'm holding my hands up and all I'm saying is, thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you, God. I'm not asking for anything, but I am in prayer because I know how. And praising God. Well, now I think probably, I don't know this to be a fact because I've never been to heaven actually in the physical. But here's what here's the way a picture I see, because I see in the church, that people are begging and pleading and asking God to do things. And some of them are always begging and pleading. Always asking for things. And you never see them praising. Never. In fact, uh, I read an article one time uh, about a missionary... She, a lady, was down in Africa, and she came down with an incurable disease. And the 
the doctor they had down there, which wasn't much of a doctor, but he checked her and said, you know, what she has is not curable and she will die. And so she was getting worse and worse and worse. And she was laying there in her little tent and she was petitioning the Lord. Said, Lord, why is it that this sickness and disease had come upon me? Don't you know I'm down here in this desolate place serving you? And the Lord showed her a set of scales, balances. And he said, I want you to look at the basket on the side that's so heavy that's hanging down to the bottom. Look what it says. Your request. But over on this side it says praise. And she, he said it was completely empty. And the Lord spoke to her and says, you start praising me and when the praise exceeds the request, you will receive your healing. Now, how many of you think that God wants to be praised? I'm going to hold up both hands on that one. I know He wants to be praised. He has got a team in heaven that when anything says Him, there's angels that go around. That's all they do is worship and praise Him. That's their job. That's what they was created for. I know He loves worship and praise. He even says the stars worship Him. Everything He's talking about. Worshiping Him. Sir? I think when you don't have enough faith, you ask over and over and over again. But when you have true faith, that you don't have that heart of unbelief, Mm -hmm. and it instantly happens. And then if you really and truly believe that by His stripes you were healed, you will just say, devil, out. By his stripes I was healed. You have no authority over me. Get out of my body. Leave now. And he goes. Amen. You're absolutely right. That's what, I mean, Cheryl, she's got the words. She's getting like that. She's getting so bold that when any time an enemy tries to come upon her and put something on her or anything, it's not uncommon at all for her now just to, just to, just like you said, just, devil, I'm a daughter of the king. I mean, you better get out right now. I'm going to go get my husband. He's going to kick you out in the name of Jesus. <laughs> so that's what she does. And he usually goes away. She just speaks to him directly and tells him to go away. Because she knows if she can't get rid of that devil, all she's got to do to come me and her together, we, I mean, we just we remind that beast of who we are. We kick him out and it goes away. And that's just like whenever she started... To, to put her sign up, she said, "We're going. I'm going to sell the condo. We don't need it, and we're going to living out the ministry center all the time now. I'm going to sell it. Ask the Lord to send it. Sell it. I'm going to put a sign up. I'm going to sell it myself, and it's going to sell real quick." And she said, "Just put me a sign out to the front yard. Put my phone number on it. And said it's sold in Jesus' name. Every time somebody called, she said it's sold in Jesus' name. Well, it's taken about a month. I don't have any phone calls we've had, but several. But took about a month. But today she sold it." I mean, and of course, whenever that girl called, she'd been praising the king all the time. Thank you, Lord, for selling the condo. Well, today, of course, man, she's not only just saying that, she's jumping up and down, screaming, both hands in the air. Thank you, Lord, for selling the condo. You know, well, he loves worship and praise. The king loves worship and praise. And when we ask him for something, I think about this guy I met over at Hillcrest the other day when I was over there. He said, when I got a hold of what you teach as a faith teacher, 
He said, I was almost completely blind in both eyes. I could hardly see at all. And he said, I wore glasses that thick. He said, without them, I couldn't see nothing. He said, when I got a hold of these scriptures, I said, Lord, thank you for my good, clear, perfect, sharp eyes in the name of Jesus. And then he said, after that, I just praise him. Lord, thank you, Lord. Thank you for my good, clear, sharp eyes. Lord, thank you. I can see perfect in Jesus' name. He said, I said that no telling how many times. He said, I must have said it thousands of times over many months. My eyes didn't get a bit better. He said, they didn't change a bit. But I just said, Lord, thank you that I got perfect, clear, sharp eyes. In the name of Jesus, I can see perfect, both up close and far away. Thank you, Lord. There are these perfect eyes because your word says, whatever I say with my mouth, I can have it if I believe with my heart. So thank you for my good, clear, sharp eyes. In Jesus' name. He said, one day I was driving down the road. He said, I have no idea how many times I said that. No telling how many times. One day I was driving down the road, praising the Lord. Lord, thank you for my good, clear, sharp eyes. And he said, I heard a voice say, you really believe that, don't you? I, I, I said, well, yes, Lord, so of course I really believe it. He said, well, then take your glasses off. He said, I wheeled off to the side of the road and stopped. I reached up and took my glasses off and couldn't see not one single thing. He said, I said, Lord, thank you for my good, clear, sharp eyes. And he said, he said, today he had the smallest print Bible. He said, I can still read that fine print and I can still see everything back there. And I don't need a glass or nothing. He said, they've been perfect ever since. How many of us are willing to have that, to stay with it like the woman with the windshield wiper on her car? Without faith, it's impossible to please the king. You know what we do? Oh, God, fix my eyes, Lord, thank you. It's done. Wake up in the morning. Oh, God, just what I thought. Can't see again. Let me put my lens back in or let me put my glasses on. You go to work and never, oh, maybe a year later, oh, God, it sure would be nice if I had good, clear eyes. Lord, would you please fix my eyes? Thank you, Lord. Wake up the next morning. Oh, let me put my glasses Oh, for, oh Lord, I still can't see nothing. This face stuff don't work. Let me have my glasses. Let me go to work. Is that the way we do it? Sure it is. Instead of saying, Lord, thank you, the Word says. Thank you, the Word says. Thank you, the Word says. Lord, thank you, the Word says. And quote it to Him. And when you quote it to Him, and quote it to Him, and quote it to Him, and quote it to Him. Let me ask you this question. How many of you know if you say anything long enough, even if it's a lie, you can finally convince yourself it's the truth? You know people that's told a lie so long, it finally gets to where they really believe it really happened? Sure. <laughs> but the thing about it is, if it's really from God's Word, and you're thanking the King, He's behind His promises. And when you thank Him for this, and you believe it's done, then you'll be just like that woman was, or this man was. You will continue to thank Him and praise Him for your answer. Now see, He knows where your faith is. He knew, he knew the day that when, that, that night with Cheryl and I was in that car on our very first date after I had had the spoken word from God that she's supposed to be my wife and she had had the dream the night before. And then I come to Bible study on Tuesday night and asked this girl to marry me and she said yes. 
And we didn't, we didn't have a date or nothing for another week. And a week later, we're sitting out in the car talking. And her feet are cold. And it was warm weather. And I, when I found out that she had cold feet and legs when she cranked the car up to warm it up in May, I said, what are you cranking that car for? She said, well, my feet are cold. I said, but it's warm. She said, well, I'm cold. I said, you've been like this long? All of my life. I said, well, do you want to stay like this? Well, she said, what do you mean? I said, well, one of the keys to the kingdom is Matthew 18, 19. And Jesus said in Matthew 18, 19, if two of you on earth agree about what? So what kind of limitations did he give us there, Michael? He gave us no limitations as his children. What are we believing for in faith? We can have, right? That's the kicker. So I said, well, you don't have to be like that. Jesus said, whatever two of us on earth agree on, he'll fix it. He'll do it. So I said, let me throw your feet over here. I'm going to rub your legs and your feet, and I'm going to ask the Father in Jesus' name to open those arteries. I'm going to rebuke that devil that's been blocking the blood flow down to your extremities. And I'm going to ask the Lord to open those veins and that you have good, warm feet and legs from this day forth in Jesus' name. I said, Lord, I prayed that prayer. I said, thank you, Lord. It's done. I said, do you agree with that, Cheryl? She said, I do. I said, well, then thank the Lord. She said, Lord, thank you for fixing my feet and legs. And instantly, her feet and my hands was cold and they got warm just like that. And she's not had cold feet or legs since that day. Now, isn't that amazing what we can do by faith? But what did God say we could do by faith? I'll tell you, let me give you another example of what faith is. When we got home, we hadn't been married long, a few months, and we get home that night when the milk had been in the refrigerator and we'd been out of town for weeks. We come home that night, open the refrigerator, she immediately reaches and looks at the date on the milk, said three weeks past the do not use date. Three weeks past. Well, she's a normal woman. What would any normal woman do with that? Pour it out, of course. So she pulls the lid off, starts pouring in the sink. I said, woman, what are you doing with that milk? Well, she, I'm, I'm pouring it out. He said, honey, it's three weeks past the due date. I said, but we wasn't here. We couldn't have drink it. So we didn't put God to the test. I said, that milk is sweet. I guarantee it in the name of Jesus. Now, what did Jesus say? I could have Mark eleven twenty three. What did he say? Can you believe that? Some of you will say, well, I'm going to try that next time. No, if you try it, it won't work for you. I guarantee. You've got to be like Deborah was with the water heater. You've got to believe it's done. You can't say, well, Lord, I hope, it's, I hope that water's hot this morning. It ain't never going to be hot like that. That's not faith, is it? No, that's not faith. So anyway, I told her I guaranteed that milk sweet. Pour me a glass of it and I'll drink it. So I took a glass out there and she poured that glass full of milk and she sees it coming out. And she said, well, it's not coming out in lumps. <laughs> and she ain't got no faith, does she? At this point, she don't have no faith. I guarantee she's been too well trained by the world system. And that's the way we are. I mean, we are so trained by the world system, we think like the world and not like God. And when she said, well, it's not coming out in lumps. And she poured, I said, of course not, it's sweet. And I start to my mouth with she said, aren't you going to at least smell it first? I said, no, that would be doubt and then it wouldn't be no good. So I just turn it up and drink it. I drink about half a glass and it's beautiful. I stick it over under her nose. 
I'm under her mask. I said, you want a drink? And she says, <laughs> you don't mind me telling the truth, do you, honey? She sniffed it. She said, well, it smells okay. I said, of course it's okay. And so she drank a little. She said, well, it, I'll have a glass with you. It tastes okay. So I poured her a glass. She drank a glass. I drank a glass. The next morning for breakfast, I drank the rest of it. And it was beautiful. How many of you women have ever seen a, a three weeks past the do not use date on the bottle of milk and it still be good in your refrigerator? Never. But what does faith do? Faith can change everything around you. But when you speak it, you've got to speak it in faith, don't you? You can't speak it. You can't just say, well, God, maybe the hot water heater's working this morning. You learned your lesson, did you? And see, now that all this time that thing's working perfect because she believes. Now see, God is a faith God. And this is where the church has got to get. If we, the church, want to see God do these mighty things in faith, He says you have to believe these promises with absolutely no doubt in your heart. Yes, ma'am. Now, what about if you're praying, you're interceding for someone else? Okay. Oh. Do you, is it just asking one time oh. then also? <clears throat> well, you can ask, and depends on what you're asking for. You know, if, if it's an enemy, if it, and usually it is, if it's the enemy that's doing something to those people, then you want to really speak to the devil a, a, a whole lot. I mean, because he's a beast, and he doesn't give up easy. But the, the way I look at this, okay. I, I think about some of the jungles and Vietnam and all the other places that we've been in or I've been in. When you go up, I think about when I fight the devil, the way I fight him in, in the kingdom, it's like walking up to a, a place that you've got a thicket here, and you walk up to this thicket and it's solid vines and brush. You know you got to get through that. So you got an axe or a machete, and you start whacking and cutting. And every time you hit and whack and cut, you cut a little bit of that stuff out where you can get in there. Now, you really don't know how far it is through to the other side. But in this, you're whacking and you're cutting and you're whacking and you're cutting. And every time you whack or cut, you cut down a little bit of vegetation where you can get a little deeper in that thing. Now, what if you whack and cut in there for four hours, five hours, six hours, eight hours, and you still have not got through the other side? You think, gee, I'm never going to get through this. I'm going to go back where I started and go another direction. And all you like was 15 minutes worth of cutting, and you'd have come out in a clearing on the other side right where you wanted to go. But you gave up 15 minutes short. This is the way it is with the devil. This is when you stay with it and you whack and cut with the word until you kick him out of their life. All the time when you're interceding, you ask the Lord to do something, but you rebuke that devil because who is it? Just like, I'll give you an example from the Word of God. When Daniel prayed for the revelation he needed for God's people, how long did it take him to get his answer? 21 days. That's exactly right, John. And whenever the angel got there, what did the angel tell him? Oh, he said, the Lord heard your prayer and dispatched me immediately with your answer. 
How, when do you think God dispatches the answer back to you and me every time we pray? In faith. Immediately. He doesn't wait six weeks or six months. But guess who tries to intercept that being before they get to us? The devil. Just like he did there. In that story, when that angel had been dispatched, he said, I even had to call back for the archangel Michael to come help me. And he said, it took us 21 days to get through. 21 days. The battle in the heavenlies was raging for 21 days. Now, did God say in His Word that His promises to you and me are yes only sometime or every time? If we, the children of God, the promises are yes every time, then all we got to do is pray and ask Him for something and then come against the devil and kick him out of that person's life. Because if you're interceding for someone and it's not happening, you know you're fighting against an enemy that's not, you have not overcome him yet with the Word. So you stay with it, and you stay kicking him out, and don't ever give up. Yes, ma'am. Is it on? The red light on? You have said in the past that you should not be kicking devils out of people that are not ready to have that done to them, because the Word is not in them enough. So instead of kicking them out... uh, rebuking them, you can you can bind them oh, yes. so that they cannot manifest in the person. Yeah. So that's how you would attack the demons in a, inside a person. But if a person like a Christian is being attacked in their circumstances in their life through, uh, through their children, their husband, their finances, can you directly do warfare against those demons working in, her, in the circumstances and perhaps just bind what's causing problems for her inside of herself? Yes, you can, you can do a lot of things like that in prayer. And when you go to the throne of grace, you can do an awful lot of things in the area of getting the evil spirits off of people's lives. But to start off with, when you start trying to get the evil spirits off of people's lives, when you go to the throne of grace... Kicking the devil out of people's lives and commanding him to stop doing what he's doing to these people. And as, as, as you do that and you see people come to Christ. And you see as you ask the Father in the name of Jesus to send the Holy Spirit to convict these people of sin. What you need to do to after you have had faith to do that. And you see those people beginning to come under conviction and maybe even to the point they get saved, then if they're saved, and then they're coming under all these problems, you know what the problem is with people that are saved that are coming under uh, torment by devils and Satan and his host of demons? The problem is now once they become a child of God, they're under attack from the devil, especially in their disobedience. Now, if you want to get people set free and stay free, you can't just go out and cast demons out of them. You've got to go out and teach them the Word, and they've got to straighten their act up. Once they straighten their act up... In other words, if you, can, if you go try to talk to someone, and they're a Christian, and they say they're a Christian, and you say, well, where do you go to church? And they say, oh, me and God's got a deal. <laughs> me and God's got a deal. I go to church whenever I can, and that's usually on Christmas and Easter. Well, let me tell you, God don't make those kind of deals. 
You know, now that person that's there will have financial problems. They will have sickness problems. They'll have all kinds of problems in their married life with their children and everything else. You know, if you want to see people walk in the abundant life that's available to them, every one of us is going to have to do it the same way. And that's get in the Word, get in church, read His Word every day, worship Him and praise Him every day, and tell Him how much you love Him. And if you'll be in church and you'll seek Him first. Seemed like I read something in the Word where the king says, Seek me and my kingdom first, and then all these other things. Does anybody have any idea where that might be found? Matthew 6. Huh? 6.33. Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these other things shall be added unto you. But what do we do? We do it reversed. We flip it over. We go out and go to school. We educate our children. We send them to college. We spend thousands and tens of thousands of dollars. And then when they're in college, we didn't teach them the Word of God while they were at home. We went to football games and we watched television and all the junk. And then when our kids got in college, they got off on drugs and alcohol and everything else and the devil got them. We didn't live the life that He told us to live. And we definitely didn't seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. So that's why we lost them. Yes, ma'am. Three of mine... Three good friends of mine that are Christian are some of the most afflicted people I know. My clients are mostly Jewish, and they're doing fine. (laughs) They're millionaires and bazillionaires and very successful, but the ones that are Christians, like, oh, my God. So I've been trying. I brought each and every one of them here. One won't go, but I brought each and every one of them here. I've been handing out your CDs. But they are defending in every way they can whatever their situation is. One is defending her helplessness. The other one is defending her unforgiveness and cynicism and bitterness and whatever it is. One of them, she goes to, they go to church. They go to church every Sunday. One of them goes to the fellowship church. She's very involved with it. She does the charity work and everything. She'd been listening to your CDs, and well, they teach the same thing in my church. So I literally asked her, I said, well, you've been going to church for quite a while. If they teach the same thing in your church, when are you going to start applying this to your life? Yeah, that's the whole secret right there. And then you get... Yeah. When are you going to apply the word... Excusitis. Yeah. When are you going to apply the word to your life? Did you have a question while ago? Ma'am? Okay, I saw you were hand. I didn't want to miss you. Yeah. Well, the, the thing about it is, what you can do to overcome, to overcome that problem in people's lives, you can do what Paul did in Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 3. Now, Paul, let, let me take you over there in Ephesians 1 and 3, and let me show you what Paul did. And I think this is a good thing to do when you have people like that. When you go to Ephesians 1... Let's go over there. I find it. Ephesians. Ephesians. Is that in the Old Testament or the New Testament? <laughs> I mean to tell you, whenever I, when I get with somebody, and I get with them every once in a while, somebody come in, I say, would you please turn over to 1 Corinthians? And they say, 
First Corinthians, what is that? And I say, well, that's uh, a book of the Bible. And they got a Bible with them, First Corinthians. Uh, and they start over here like this. And I said, no, no, it's not in the Old Testament. They said, Old Testament, what's that? <laughs> I realize I'm in big trouble. I mean, I'm in big trouble. And I have some of those every once in a while. Wow. You talk about a lack of knowledge of the Word. Woo. There's some of them have them. But in Ephesians chapter 1, let me go over here to this uh, Ephesians chapter 1. And I think it starts about verse uh, 17, I believe. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, and the eyes of your understanding being lightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance is in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe according to the working of His mighty power. Now, these are the kind of prayers you need to pray for those people, because that's what Paul's doing. And in in chapter 3, I think it starts about verse... I forget now what verse. Which one? Four. Whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not known. Let's see, that's not exactly the verse I wanted. Uh, Okay, here it is again about... Uh, verse 16, verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Those are the two prayers that Paul prayed for people, for the church. So if Paul prayed those for the church... That would be a very good example for you and me to pray for the church. That's why so much of the time when I'm praying for people, I ask the Lord to give that person knowledge, wisdom, revelation, and understanding of the Word. Since he's a faith God, if I ask him to give you, if I'm praying the prayer of faith for you, and say, Lord, John, Mike, Susie, Whoever I'm praying for does not know and understand your power. So I'm asking you, Father, in the name of Jesus, as I come to the throne of grace, I am, first of all, kicking that devil out of their life that's blinding their mind, and I am commanding that devil to stop blinding their mind to the truth of the gospel. Because we know that's who the culprit is in every case. The devil is the problem on this earth. And then I said, I ask you, Father, in Jesus' name, to give them the kind of revelation and the knowledge and the wisdom and the understanding from your word that they need. And here is the thing about the spirit world. 
right here in this room today, what is in this room that you can see? I mean, you see lights, you see a building, you see chairs, you see each other, you see the floor. And somebody said, well, is there anything else in here? Oh, yeah. Let me tell you something that's in here that all of you know that's here, but you don't realize they're here. Did you realize that the radio frequencies that are passing through this air right now are here by the hundreds? Hundreds of them. Somebody say, well, I don't see them. But you go out there and get your radio and turn it on on AM and FM and there's stations all up and down that scale and all of them are in this air right now. Can you see them? No. You don't know they're there until you get a radio that can determine those are here. And then the television stations. Those things are all out here. Just think of the pictures that are flying through the air right now. And you can't see none of them. But when you get a TV set and tune the receiver in to the frequency that Channel 4 is on, you can see the picture. It's right here, right now. Now, if all of that is here, and we know that's here, because we go home, turn our television on, and expect to see something. And some of them, some of the TVs on now with the satellites and everything, you can turn them on and get 100, 150 channels on your crazy television set. And about 99% of them not fit to watch. But people are filling their mind and heart with that trash on a regular basis. But they're there. But also, right here in this room, the spirit world is here. Do you realize that there's angels right here in this room today walking around? Your angels, my angels, they're watching over you to keep you safe from the forces of darkness. As you walk in obedience to God's Word, they're right there, right there with you. And as long as you quote His Word, they are there to watch over you and protect you. And they're here. I mean, they are here with us right now in this room. But also right now in this room, there is demonic forces that's waiting. I can just see one out there right now and say, let me get Michael. Let me just get him. Lord, the angel get out of the way. Let me just get him. I want to get him. The angel says, no, no, he's walking in obedience to God's word. You can't touch him. And that devil says, I'll wait until that angel turns his back and I'll get him. And that's the battle that's going on. Now then, if you mess up somewhere and you sin or you step off this path that you're not supposed to step off of, then that devil has legal right to get you and then that angel can't keep him off of you. He will attack you. He will put sickness and disease upon you. And that's how these beasts get to us. Now then, just like Sharon said a while ago, when you get a hold of the fact that the Word of God says, by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. It's done. When that becomes a reality to you, after that, if any devil does get around that angel and puts a pain or a symptom upon her after that, she says, Lord, if, Lord, if I've sinned somewhere, I repent. If there's anything I've done that give that devil legal right, I repent and I'm getting hold now, you devil of hell. Out, out, out in the name of Jesus. You ain't going to make me sick no more. I ain't going there no more with you. I walked down that road with you many years too long. And by the stripes of Jesus, if I was healed by the stripes of Jesus, then praise God, I'm healed. And you kick the devil out. And do you know, I had a lady come to me in a healing school the other day 
And I, I've taught for four hours in a healing school. And then I said, now when you come up here, you bring you one of these great and awesome promises to stand on for your healing. After you've repented of your sins. So this one lady come up. And I said, ma'am, what scripture are you standing on? Well, she said, well, I don't know one. I said, ma'am, I've been talking about them for four solid hours. Don't you remember one? Well, okay, I remember one. Okay, what is it? By his stripes I was healed. I said, do you have any idea where it's found? Well, no, I don't know where it's found, but I, I know you said that. I said, okay, yeah, I said that. I said, do you really believe that? Well, of course I believe that. I said, you really believe that? She said, yes, so pray for me so I'll be healed. Now, do you hear what she just said wrong? If she really believed, like Sharon said, if she really believed by her stripes she is healed, by his stripes she was healed, then she had done exactly what you did, Sharon. She wouldn't have come over and said, Thurman, I need you to pray for me. She said, you devil of hell, I've repented of every sin. She kicks him out with the word and said, now you've got to go and I am healed. Now see, that's the difference between faith and hoping and just believing that you think maybe it's going to work for you. When you get a hold of these promises by real faith, real faith, anytime that devil tries to sneak up on you, you make sure that every sin you've ever committed is totally under the blood and you're walking holy before God in obedience to His Word, then you take those promises in that book, and you can kick that devil out with him, and he has to leave, doesn't he? And you don't have to put up with the sickness and disease. You know, I mean, I, I think about Cheryl. She's really getting a hold of this. When that devil tries to come up on her now, man, she's like a bulldog. I mean, she can grab hold of that devil by the tail and throw him right out the window. But she's come to the realization that she knows in her heart that by the stripes of Jesus she was healed. And he can't lie to her no more saying, oh, but you old sinful woman, you. She said, oh, yeah, devil, I used to be a sinful woman. But that woman repented. That woman put her sins under the blood. And now they're as far as the east is and was never be remembered. So right now I stand totally clean and pure before the king. When you see yourself as clean and pure before the king, hey, the devil can't do nothing to you, can he? But you've got to see yourself like Jesus sees you. If you start going around and saying, No, I'm not too sure about this stuff. I mean, you know, God surely wouldn't do nothing for me. I mean, oh, Lance, I think what all I've done. Oh, my gosh. I think when I was young, when I did this and I did that, and oh, my goodness. And the devil, he'll really feed that on with you. He remembers all them things. And so if you start living there, He'll make you sick. He'll afflict you. He'll put stuff on you. And you'll think, well, I'm not worthy to be healed. You know how many people, especially women, I've had come to a healing school and they tell me when they come up, well, after what you said, I know Jesus can heal, but I'm not worthy to be healed. You know, they don't see themselves like God sees them. You know, when you think you're not worthy, let me tell you, if you come to Christ and He washed you and He made you a new creature and He made you by the blood of His Son, the righteousness of God in Christ, and He made you clean and pure and put a beautiful white robe on you, a beautiful white gown on you, a wedding gown, beautiful thing, and got a spot on it. And you turn and look at Him and say, I'm still dirty. I look awful. 
Can you imagine what that does do to the heart of the king? Are you telling me that the blood of my son wasn't sufficient to clean you up? You've got to start seeing yourself as the righteousness of God in Christ. What does it say? The prayers of a righteous man does what? Availeth much. When we see ourselves as righteous men, because not because of what you and me done, John, but because of what the king did for us. It's by faith in the name of Jesus. One last scripture, and we're going to close, and I want you to go to Acts 3. Acts chapter 3. And this is the last faith scripture tonight. Acts chapter 3. <clears throat> I want you to see this magnificent statement here. Acts 3. Now Peter and John went up together at the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, he said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Is that a bold declaration? I mean, that's a bold declaration, isn't it? Then it says, And then Peter reached down and tucked him by the right hand. I can just see that guy looking up at Peter and say, What? What? I can just see the preacher reaching down and say, I said in the name of Jesus and just jerked him up. Can't you see him doing that, Michael? Jerked him. I mean, he jerked that devil plumb out of him, didn't he? He jerked him up and said, I said, get up. Look what he says there. And he took him by the right hand and he lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. I'm going to tell you that Peter reached down and grabbed that guy by the hand and jerked him up and jerked that devil plumb out of him. He left that devil sitting on the ground. That's what he did. Who was it that made that man lame all those years? Of course it was the devil. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Now let me tell you, you can even do something like that to a Baptist. And you can see a Baptist for a little while leap and jump and praise God. It's amazing how they can get charismatic on you when you get one of them healed. When God shows up, everybody gets charismatic, and I praise Him. But it says, And all the people saw Him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was He which had set at the, for, at, for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto Him. Well, this hadn't changed. It's still the same stuff today. And as the lame man which was healed helped Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, You men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look you so earnestly at us, as though by our own power or our holiness we have made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, which glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate, when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer, and, he said, and you killed the prince. And he says, 
down there in verse 16, and His name, through faith in His name, faith in the name of Jesus. Now, I'm telling you, if you can't have faith in no other name, learn to have faith in the name of Jesus. Whatever you do, if you use it by faith in the name of Jesus, what kind of results is it going to bring forth? Wonderful results. That's right. It says, And His name through faith in His name has made this man strong, whom you see and know, yet the faith which is by Him has given Him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Now then, if you don't have faith to do nothing yourself in your own self, then use the faith of God through His Son, Jesus. That's what Peter did. Peter goes on to say, if you think it's by my righteousness or my holiness we got this man healed, it's not. It's but by faith in the name of Jesus. I think about the other night, and Cheryl got to meet this lady. <clears throat> Last time we was in Louisiana. What was that lady's name? Healed of Parkinson and lupus? Mary? Norma. 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 That lady walked up to me that night. I'd been preaching about two hours on faith. And she walked up. She's shaking like this. And I said, ma'am, what's wrong with you? She said, well, I've got lupus and Parkinson." And I just reached over and said, in the name of Jesus. And when I touched her, her hands went. And I thought, whoa. Whoa. The king is here. Doesn't that just excite you? When you touch somebody in the name of Jesus, and she was instantly healed of Parkinson and lupus. All I did was touch her and said, in the name of Jesus. By faith in the name of Jesus. What can we do? We can make a hot water heater work, can't we? You can make anything work by faith. If you can't have faith in yourself, you can't have faith in nothing else, you can't have faith, have faith in the name of Jesus. When you speak by faith in the name of Jesus, it will bring forth great and awesome wonders. Jesus is no different than today than He was when there Peter done that. When you speak by faith in His name, when I spoke by faith in His name, and then that night, that's the same night that when that woman instantly stopped shaking, and I saw her, and she was all struck just like I was. And I thought, oh my goodness, Lord, the gift of miracles is upon me for a few seconds. Woo! I said, who else can I pray for? Right quick. That's when I looked over and saw Johnny Brumfield laying over there with them, them legs sticking straight out. And I run over and I said, sir, what happened to you? He said, a tractor run over my legs. Twenty. I mean, I was on a tractor that a tree fell on the tractor 21 months ago and it busted my legs and crushed my knees. They done surgery on me. But I've never walked a step since and they said, I'll never be able to walk again. I said, but Jesus said in John 14, 13, I can ask the Father in the name of Jesus for anything and He'll do it. I said, do you believe that? He said, yes, sir, I believe it. I reached over and laid my hands on them knees. I said, Father, on behalf of that verse, I ask you to make them knees like brand new in Jesus' name. I said, now, Johnny, I didn't know his name. I said, now, sir, take them braces off your leg and stand up and walk in the name of Jesus. He unstrapped all that steel. He threw it off on the floor. I reached up and got him by the hand. I said, stand and walk in the name of Jesus. I jerked him up. When he stood up, he bent his knees and said, oh, oh, it hurts. I said, I know that devil's going to make it hurt, but don't believe him. I said, in the name of Jesus, take a step. And I give him a jerk and he took a step and I said, come on. And when he done the third step, I said, you're on your own, go. And he walked around that podium three times and broke down the center aisle of the church, screaming with both hands up, 
God is awesome. God is awesome. Well, let me tell you, the king of the universe by faith, will we do it just like Peter did, he's still doing the same thing. Don't you think it's time the church starts doing something in faith? Don't you think it's time we stop sinning? It's time we purify ourselves and walk in love and holiness before God and then hide these principles in our heart and use them. Use them. If God's no respecter of persons and He's done all these wonderful miracles through me, if you will do exactly what I did, guess what He'll do with you? Same thing. That's exactly right. And some of you, He's doing that. Some of you are learning how to pray in faith and you're seeing Him do these wonderful things. Praise His holy name. Father, we praise You for this day. We praise You for Your Word. Lord, I can't thank You enough for Your Word. I praise You and I worship You and thank You. Just like that woman that was over there in the jungles when she began to praise You and she worshipped You and praised You. And the more she worshipped and the more she praised, the stronger she got. And by the middle of the next morning, the woman was miraculously healed as she was completely doing nothing. She wasn't asking for healing. She wasn't rebuking the devil. She wasn't doing nothing but worshiping and praising you for her healing. And that drove away every devil of hell. And she was completely healed right there. And all she did was worship and praise you. Lord, that's what we're doing tonight. We're worshiping You. We're praising You and thanking You that You're the King of kings and Lord of lords and God of gods. Thank You, Father, for all these wonderful things that You do. Thank You for Your magnificent Word that's still alive and well today just like it was when You wrote it thousands of years ago. That You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, Father, as we go from here today and tonight, as we go forth, Lord, increase our faith Increase our knowledge of the Word. And Lord, push us by the Holy Spirit to step on Your Word and to do great and mighty things, to stand on Your Word, to use Your Word to bring great glory and honor to Your name as we go. May people get saved and healed and delivered. May we walk in the abundance of power of the Spirit as we go this week so that we can glorify You because only You're worthy. In Jesus' name, Amen. Praise the Lord.